Continuing on with Moxie and Roses, this is Tammy Lynn Chambers. If you're catching this audio in this particular episode, all of the previous episodes are either back in the podcast, in a playlist in YouTube, or in a playlist in Spotify. So continue on now with Chapter 15, Soft Voices. The day moved on with all the excitement and wonder that any new day typically brings if you allow it. But something felt different about this day, and Edgar sensed it early that morning. There was a softness about it that felt somewhat enchanting to him, like when you enter the forest for the first time, and all his wonder and new adventures awaiting. He couldn't put his finger on it, but he knew by the time he finished his pancakes and bacon that he was going to make an adventure out of each moment. Hey, Diego, how about you come with me into the wood and show me where you saw this person, he said to Diego, not wanting to let on to the others exactly what he thought that person might actually be. Sure, I can show you exactly where it is, Diego said. He was slightly concerned because he hadn't seen Moxie at breakfast, but thought she might be sleeping in and enjoying the first few days of her well-earned vacation. I'm pretty much ready whenever you are, he said to Edgar. Let me just go check on Moxie first. I'm going to take her some breakfast, he said, pulling down a plate from the cupboard and heaping stacks of pancakes and some fresh vegan bacon and sausage on it. Whoa, Pamela said as she watched him load up the plate. I don't think your girl can take that much food. You might want to put some of that back. After all, us girls have to watch our figures, she said, winking at Edgar. Just then, Amber emerged from upstairs and greeted everyone warmly. Hello, y'all. How's everyone this morning? She said, almost bursting with enthusiasm. Well, someone got up on the bright side of the bed this morning, Pamela said, happy that Amber was feeling good. Often, she would come downstairs brooding about something, and Pamela could only guess it was some recent boy trouble or something else that seemed to hang over teenage girls' heads. She recalled herself at that age, but by then she was already wooing the boys herself with her beguiling charms, and they were lined up to meet her. She didn't have any such thing as boy troubles, as she was usually the one starting the trouble. She smiled to herself and again thought about how eager she was to be alone with Edgar. Well, I'll just have to wait until tonight if he's going gallivanting around in the forest with Diego, she thought, a little let down. Edgar? May I see you in the study for a moment before you leave, she said, politely using her best good girl charm to entice him to follow her into the study. Sure thing, he said, getting up to follow her as she moved in front of him. His eyes were not lost on the curve of her as she moved, and he motioned to Diego, wait here, I'll be right back. Pamela waited behind the study door and closed it lightly as Edgar entered the room. She moved out from behind the door and into his arms. What do you think about this, she said, opening her blouse a little more to expose her bare breasts to him. (laughs) Edgar cleared his throat, unable to concentrate on anything else at the moment, but a little unsure what to say next. He moved into her more. That wasn't a question that required a real answer, she said, laughing lightly. She was usually the one to make the first move, as most men were too intimidated by her passionate advances to know how to proceed. It goes like this, she said, taking his hand and moving it to her breast. And then like this, she said, 
taking his other hand and moving it to hold her around her waist. She moved into him, moaning in his ear, as he finally realized he was supposed to be touching her there. He moved his hands over her breasts, and she moaned into his mouth as he cupped his hand and squeezed lightly. His mouth was passionate now on hers, and somehow his arousal finally caught up with him, and he moved into action, pushing everything on the study desk aside. He moved her over and lifted her onto it. This moment, he thought to himself, do I let it keep happening? He recalled Glenda and their first and only encounter and stepped back a little, hesitating. Come on, cowboy, finish what you started, Pamela said, breathless now, as she pulled up her short skirt. Edgar needed no further come-ons as he moved up and onto her, breathing heavily and allowing himself to relax into the moment as much as his passion would let him. Pamela covered her mouth as she moaned into him, and he came on top of her with such a welcome relief that he almost let out a howl of pleasure. Where did that come from, he thought to himself, as he raised himself to look into her eyes. It was usually about now that the woman might have second thoughts, he recalled, wondering what she might do next. Now tonight, I expect an encore of this show, Pamela said, moving him aside to stand next to the desk so she could straighten her clothes and smooth back her hair. I mean that, she said as she stood, and she reached over to kiss him passionately. Now get out of here before I steal you and make you stay in my bedroom all day, she said hungrily. He was in a sort of shell shock, knowing, almost dreaming about this moment many times in the past, but not letting himself have it. Now that he'd had her, he didn't know how to proceed. Such was the case of a woman and a man. He decided to just let the love flow and see how things went as he buttoned himself up and got ready to rejoin everyone in the kitchen. Wow, he thought. I I feel great and ready to conquer whatever's waiting out there. What he didn't realize is that whatever was waiting out there was ready to conquer him, too. Everyone was in the kitchen, oblivious to the recent happenings in the study a few doors down. Moxie had joined them looking lavish in a blue jumpsuit that she usually reserved for going out. She had decided to sleep in last night, if only for the feel, or sleep in it last night, if only for the feel of the soft cotton against her skin. Her long hair pinned up around her head, she felt like a million dollars. The first good sleep she'd had in a long time that didn't involve recovering from hangovers or too many hands groping her from the night before. Being a stripper was not how she had wanted to see herself. And what about five or even ten years from now? She didn't want to be doing this job forever. She wanted to be outdoors, having fun, making love with someone special and enjoying her life, not under the thumb of some well-meaning but obviously studious entrepreneur like Diamond Martinez. She knew that Diego and Diamond were related, but they were nothing like each other, and she wondered whether Diego knew how his aunt really was. Well, now wasn't the time to ruminate on the job she so desperately wanted to leave. She was here to relax and hopefully show Pamela that she could handle herself around the ranch. If she was lucky, maybe there was even a job in it for her, and she thought, as she took a bite from the warm stack of Marguerite's pancakes, savoring every bite as syrup dripped down her chin. Diego was watching her out of the corner of his eye, and he felt enchanted by her presence. There was just something about her that he couldn't get out of his mind. The feeling had intensified after their lovemaking, but had become even stronger after the drum ceremony. He had felt different all over since that journey, and he wasn't sure how it had truly affected him. Only time would tell how much he was going to be enamored by this beautiful woman that sat in front of him. 
Just as his mind was coming back from its wandering, Edgar and Pamela walked in from the study. Diego knew something was up, decided not to say anything, not wanting to embarrass the older couple. He could always tell when someone had been making out, as was his duty to ensure that all the girls at the club didn't succumb to the advances of hot-headed patrons. He knew when a clandestine meeting had happened in the broom closet, or when a girl had decided that she really wanted to follow through on the come-ons of a particular guy. He just knew certain things, and it always kept him safe even as a child. Today would be no exception, as he readied himself to go back into the woods with Edgar. For some reason, he had put his five-inch knife into his fanny pack, along with the beef jerky that Marguerite had made the day before. "'Well, kid, are you ready?' Edgar said to Diego, a little too light-heartedly. "'Uh, sure. Ready when you are,' he said, motioning to Moxie to meet him outside for a minute. She followed him out. (laughs) She followed him outside. Sorry. She followed him out, slightly disappointed that she couldn't finish her pancakes before they got cold. "'What's up? Are you okay?' she asked, sensing that he was a little nervous about something. "'Sure, I'm fine,' he said, trying to convince himself. "'It's just that Edgar and I were going out into the woods this morning, "'and I'm not sure what we're going to find there,' he explained. "'A little about what happened the night before, and the hair on the back of her neck stood up. "'I'm going with you,' she said. "'She wanted so badly to see what was making this sound. "'Edgar stepped outside, just as she was sharing her thoughts, and put up his hand. "'Whoa, men only this time,' he said." "'knowing this wasn't the time for her to be out there. "'Your time will come soon enough, little one.' "'She was dejected, but knew that he was probably right. "'She had just met him, but he reminded her so much of her grandfather "'when she was young. "'Her grandfather was always taking care of her "'and seemed to inherently know what was best for her before she did. "'She decided to trust his judgment and stay out of the way. "'Okay, uh, next time I'll go see if Pamela needs help with anything around here.' She smiled and turned to go back inside, but not before reaching over and planting a full kiss on Diego. I want you to come back safe and sound, okay? There's more where that came from, she said, turning to go inside. She blew a final kiss as she closed the door between them. Okay, we don't have a lot of time before the sun gets too high in the sky, Edgar said, starting towards the barn. Let's saddle up for this one. If it's really a drifter, we'll look more commandeering on horseback. But if it's what I think it is, he said, pausing to look out into space. Well, what then, Diego said, breaking into the older man's reverie. Well, then you better hold on to your hat right out of there, hell-bent, Edgar said, not taking the situation lightly. If it's what I think it is, then we're all in grave danger, he said, straightening his shirt and placing his cap on his head. He had chosen his lucky cap over his typical western hat just because something told him he was going to need all the luck he could get this morning. And his guides never lied, although they were being a bit quiet on the subject this morning. That always meant that there was something he needed to find out for himself. They walked out to the barn and chose two of the faster, more adept horses, knowing that footing would be an issue in the dense wood. Edgar didn't want some young horse to get nervous and stumble over a downed tree. He couldn't handle that at the moment. There was already too much going on. He mounted Harley as Diego climbed up on Ebony. Follow me, Edgar said, leading the way. Just tell me which way you went, he said, breaking into a light trot to get to the edge of the wood. They pulled up together and let their horses stand there for a moment as Edgar decided to say a prayer to the wood fairies and nymphs for their safety. He also knew that a good tree dryad would help a man in a moment of need, so he included them in his prayers too. 
He called on thunder beings and the great creator and asked for their safety. And then he closed the prayer and moved his horse forward. Whatever happens, he said to Diego, don't bolt. Stand your ground. We're here to show whatever it is that we're boss. Nothing is going to take over this wood and this ranch, not if I can help it. Edgar said his confidence building now with the support of his allies behind him. The wood was damp and cooler than the ranch lands at the moment. Often the heat of the day would ignore the wood in favor of the pastures and surrounding areas. The dense covering of trees making such a thick shade that it was often necessary to put on a light jacket or sweater, even in the heat of the summer. Diego shivered a little as they came upon the dense covering of pine trees. A light breeze soothed against his skin, and he wasn't sure if, he was, if it was the wind or his nerves. Here, put this on, Edgar said, pulling a jacket out of his saddlebag. Always come prepared, kid. That's one of the first things you need to learn if you want to survive out here. He said, noticing Diego's pack. What you got in there? This, Diego said, pulling out the long knife. I can be pretty plugged into things, too, he said, not really fully understanding what that meant. He would learn, though, that just how much his keen senses were going to be in the coming days in keeping him safe and in tune with what was going on. Well, well, there's hope for you yet, Edgar said, smiling. I guess you're not just some city boy after all. Well, let's keep going. He motioned his horse forward and Diego followed. Which way now? He turned back to Diego. At that moment, something broke underneath his horse's foot. The horse whinnied slightly, not sure what had caused the sound, and sidestepped whatever it was. Whoa, easy girl, Edgar said, dismounting from the horse. Well, it's starting already, he said, looking down at what had caused the loud crunching noise. What? What, what is it? Diego said, getting concerned now. Just look, Edgar said, pointing down. It's a warning. Something doesn't want us here, and they're making a bold statement. Diego jumped down off his horse to find the severed head of a young coyote, the bones crushed under the horse's heavy footing. It's a sign, a portent, or Edgar said, and a bad one. You don't kill an animal and make a statement like this unless you're serious, and this is very serious, he said, as he said a blessing over the coyote's skull. He reached out to pick it up and place it in a plastic bag he pulled from his sack. I'll bury this later in an honoring ritual, he said. We don't leave warnings like this around. It's just bad medicine, he said, his thoughts going to whatever could be trying to send this message. Well, good thing we're not easily dissuaded, he said, hopping back on his horse. We're not, Diego said, slightly uncertain if he wanted to keep going or not. Come on now, kid. No turning back now, Edgar said, continuing to move forward. I need you to show me where this figure was at, so let's go, he said, motioning to Diego to saddle up. Diego moved forward, coaxing Ebony to keep going further into the dark woods. Dappled sunlight marking the path in that he had taken the night before. Just then they heard it. A light sound, almost like the cackling of a hen. But definitely not a hen, Edgar thought, as his ears strained to hear the sound. Sounds like voices, but I'm not sure if they're human, he whispered to Diego. Keep going. I want to see what this is, he said, moving his horse still further into the wood now. We're almost there, Diego said, sitting up sternly on his mare now. He was sure she could sense the nervousness rising up in him. Shh. Listen to this, Edgar said, as the cackling voices turned into soft whispers. What the heck? 
It's right there through this opening in the trees, Diego said, pointing about a hundred yards in front of him. As they rode quietly, the horses were in a soft step, moving one foot at a time and stopping every few inches to survey the upcoming landscape. Then something came into view for Edgar that made him almost lose his breakfast. A small group of what appeared to be human women, but couldn't possibly be, were gathered around a small campfire. The group of whatever it was seemed to be singing, but not in a language that Edgar had ever heard before. The song sounded eerie and foreboding, and he realized he was witnessing a binding spell being fostered by the group. The beings were huddled over something and appeared to be winding coarse ties around whatever it was. And as they wound around and around with the string, they sang in their eerie, not-human voices. They huddled and sang and wound and wound, and just as the string was running out, they held up the bundle to the sky, and then the group let out a screech that pierced the forest walls and echoed out into the surrounding lands. The sound was so ominous that the birds in nearby trees flew up in discord. Edgar realized this was no group of women that he would ever want to meet, let alone have holed up in the woods around his land. He didn't know how to handle this situation and thought to turn and leave so he could consult with his guides. But as soon as he thought to turn his horse, the screech sounded and both horses bolted, carrying Edgar and Diego thundering through the wood with the screech closing in from behind. Chapter 16, Lashing Out Horses bolting, Edgar and Diego were thrust through the woods at breakneck speed. They could hear something behind them, but they didn't dare turn around and just keep going, Edgar screamed back at Diego. I don't think I have a choice, Diego yelled back. She's out of control. I can't even reach the halter, he said as it dragged the ground and the two horses' hooves thundered through the quiet of the unassuming trees. The screech decided this chase wasn't quite worth it yet and pulled back. Each member of the union that made up the thing decided to go back to its cave dwelling while it was holed up near the top of the great hill at the back of the ranch. The horses, sensing that danger had somehow passed, began to slow down, froth coming from their mouths and eyes darting about the wooded landscape. They slowed to a trot and then stopped beneath an, beneath an old oak tree. Whoa, girl, Edgar said, finally able to get his bearings. I think they've gone. Do you see anything behind you? Edgar asked as Diego was able to slow his horse to a stop. Diego turned slowly to look behind him, not sure if he really wanted to see what might be there or not. I don't see anything, he said out of breath, as his mare snorted and whinnied. I think they've gone, he said. What in the world did we just witness? He said, clearly shaken by what they had seen. That, my friend, was a binding spell. Those witches, or whatever they are, are trying to make it so that we can't do anything to stop them. We've got to step up our game, he said. Digging deep into his medicine bag, he pulled out a sage bundle and lit it with the fire torch that he kept in his bag. Waving sage smoke around him, he inhaled it deeply into his nostrils and coughed a little from the power of it. He handed it down to Diego, who wasn't quite sure what to do with it. Just wave it around you and envision any negative energy being dispelled, he said, gesturing to Diego with his hands. It will make you feel better. He said, knowing that it would help, but he would need something much more powerful to conquer the evil he had just seen. I'm going to need to go into elder council, he said, more to himself than anything. But for now, let's get back to the house and make sure everything's okay. I don't know what the effects of that spell are going to be. I can only imagine right now what they're doing. I'm thinking it had to do with bringing Thunder Rose under their power, but there might be even more to it than that. If I know about Moxie, then surely they must know of her, too. I'm afraid that spell may bring some harm to her, he said, shaking his head. This is deep stuff, he said, as he mentally drew a hexagram in his mind around the ranch. 
Right now I'm doing what I can to put a protection spell around the ranch. We'll see how long it holds, he said as he grabbed the reins and squeezed his knees into his horse so that she would start to move again. Diego followed behind, allowing his mare to go a little slower since she was still breathing quite heavily. I just don't understand this, he said. Why is this happening? They reached the edge of the wood and could see out towards Edgar's camp. All appeared to be fine, but as they emerged from the wood, they could see a gathering up by the main house. They could hear Amber crying and being consoled by the others, so they quickly made their way up to the main house, dismounting just as Pamela came up to them. "'Where have you two been?' she said, clearly shaken. "'Something's happened to Amber, and I'm not sure what it is.' Diego went up to Amber and put his arm around her. "'Amber, what's happened?' he said, trying to appear concerned, but not wanting her to take his concern as some sort of advance." I, w- I was just going out to feed the horses, she said through the tears, and I saw it. Saw what, Diego said, not sure he wanted to hear more. Hopefully the screech hadn't come up to the house after abandoning the chase of the two men. It was horrible, Amber said. They were carrying a baby goat, she said, covering her eyes with her hands. Who was Amber, Diego said, breathing a little heavier now. Moxie and Pamela stood around them as Edgar started looking around the area. She saw something we hope that we'll never have to see again, Edgar said as he passed by them, looking around the perimeter of the big house. She saw those witches making a sacrifice. I believe, and if I'm right, we'll find that goat's remains around the fire pit. Stay here, he said, making long strides towards the fire circle. But instead of finding animal remains, Edgar happened upon the box. It was splayed open upon the grass, and a blinding white light was emanating from it. And on the ground in front of the fire pit lay the remains of the screech. What the heck? Edgar thought to himself. What's happening here? He was in disbelief as he reached down to pick up the box and close the lid. But just as his hand touched the ancient wood, a figure cloaked in mist rose up from within it. The Divine Mother Mary's ancient face peered down before Edgar. It was her all right, he thought, as he knelt down and bowed, his head tears streaming down his face. She appeared, had appeared here before to him, but he had never spoken of it, and now he knew why. He had been christened, in a sense, at the first visitation, but he hadn't realized it back then, and now she was here again, protecting the ranch. There were no words spoken, only an eerie silence that fell over everything. He could feel his heart, the unconditional love and light that she was projecting over everything around him. She was sealing the ranch in divine love and light protecting it from whatever was in and around the woods. And the screech had been eliminated at the sight of her divine light. Light was winning, he thought to himself, as he saw others fighting similar battles in other locations, having the same divine and miraculous experiences. He saw it all as a movie before him, and he lifted his head to look upon her again, but she was gone. He felt dizzy at the sight of her, and yet he was filled with peace and tranquility. For a brief moment, he forgot about everything around him, and a divine ecstasy emanated from within his heart. He was fulfilled, and if he never lived another moment in his life, he was at ease right here and now. His mind swam as if in a dream, and then just like that, he was back to his senses. He had fallen without even realizing it and was laying on his back on the ground. The others thought he had fainted as they gathered around him. Give him some room, Diego said, moving his jacket under Edgar's head. I'm fine, I'm fine, Edgar said. I'm, I'm everyone, quit harping on me and let me tell you what happened. By the time he was finished, there wasn't a dry eye as each person shed their own tears, wondering what miraculous things had just happened. Edgar also recalled Moxie's fainting incident and filled her in on what he thought had happened to her. 
It's the divine ecstasy, he said to her after everyone had pulled themselves together. She's here to fill us all with her love and light so that we can take it out to the world. I feel like we're supposed to invite folks here to talk about what happened, Edgar continued. I think we're supposed to show them the box and tell them the story and let them form their own conclusions. But I still think we're doing this under opposition from dark forces. I still think there's so much work to be done before we're ready, before Moxie is ready to tell her story. Why me, Moxie asked, not realizing that it had been her all along. She had been the catalyst to this whole event, but it would take weeks before she would realize her true role in this divine plan. Until then, she followed along with Edgar as best she could, trying to understand his reasoning and guidance. As Edgar spoke, the group relaxed and started to feel like themselves again. He wasn't sure what their next steps were, but he knew that this whole ordeal had caused him to be incredibly hungry. Let's get our minds off of this for a while. How about we have a good old-fashioned Texas cookout, he said, starting to feel better at the thought of it. Moxie and the others warmed at the idea, and the atmosphere turned light-hearted as everyone chimed in on how they could help in the endeavor. I'll make potato salad, Moxie said, trying to sound useful. It's my grandmother's recipe. That sounds great, Pamela said, wondering when she might get Edgar alone again. She had more than sex on the mind this time. She was terrified of the screech and realized this may have been what she had been hearing in the woods since her childhood. But why didn't they do anything back then, she wondered. Why now are they choosing to come out and show themselves? They're not going to take over my ranch, she thought defiantly to herself, so much so that she actually said it out loud. What's that, Edgar said, looking at her with care. Can we talk in private, Pamela said, not wanting to scare anyone any more than they had already been. Of course, let's go to the main house, Edgar said, leading her by the small of her waist. When they reached the mudroom and shut the back door, she couldn't take it any longer. She burst into tears and he moved into her, caressing her cheek. What is it, my love, he said, hoping she still thought of him like that. I'm scared, Edgar, she said through sobs. Well, of course you are, he said sympathetically. We all are in our own way. No, I'm not just scared. I'm terrified, Edgar. Thunder Rose means everything to me. I just can't lose it, and I won't, she said, wiping her eyes at some of the, as some of the defiance came back. Oh, my goodness, Pam. I had no idea you were so scared, Edgar said with concern. Why didn't you come to me sooner? I can help with this kind of thing, he said, smoothing her hair away from her face. I didn't want you to think that there was something wrong with me. I think these things actually tried to take me away when I was a little girl. I don't know why or what for, but something happened to me when I was ten that I've never told anyone, she said, almost sorry that she had brought it up because now she would have to tell the story. Okay, love, well, let's not get into any details yet. I think I know how to help you, but you have to trust me. Do you trust me, he said, hoping her answer was yes. Of course I do, she said, looking up at him. I trust you more than anyone I've ever known except my dad, she said, thinking of her father. Well, then let's work on this tonight. I promise you'll feel better afterwards, but first, these kids are waiting on a barbecue, so let's not disappoint them. They need to raise their spirits, too. Are you able to wait until after that, he said, clearly ready to drop everything now to help her if she really needed him right now. I'm okay for now, she said, really hoping he could help with this fear. Edgar knew he had his work cut out for him and decided that he would relax and enjoy the barbecue before we'd have to put on his healer's hat again. He needed a break to restore his energy after the intensity of the morning. Thanks, love, she said, taking notice of how his eyes lit up when she said that. You know it, he said, smiling back at her and beaming silently inside.
Chapter 17, Barbecue and Soul Loss. Pamela and Edgar returned to the group, feeling a little lighter than when they had departed, based on the laughter they could hear coming from Amber and Diego. The latter, trying to crack silly jokes to keep the girls calm, he was just finishing the story of a wayward rodeo clown who was trying to find a job at the local horse farm when Pamela and Edgar walked up. What he hadn't caught on to was that lonely clown had been him when he first came to Thunder Rose. He had been feeling alone and depressed in a new city, and his best friend Carlo had brought up Thunder Rose Ranch, having taken his daughter there for horseback riding lessons. He had driven Diego out there one day on his day off, knowing that Pamela had been looking for a part-time ranch hand. Carlo thought Diego would be perfect for the job after hearing so many stories about how he loved horses. Diego had loved the ranch at first sight, and he, he was an instant hit with Pamela and her young daughter, who both couldn't take their eyes off the handsome wrangler. He'd gotten the job on the spot, and his only concern was how he was going to make it work while still working full-time as a bouncer-slash-bartender at his aunt's men's club. Well, it would just have to work, he had thought to himself, and one month into working at Thunder Rose, he had lost the anxious depression that had overtaken him after moving away from Portland, where he had gone with Kathy, his first love from high school. "'Diego, are you in there?' Moxie said, tapping him on the shoulder. "'Heck, I was lost in thought,' he said, smiling at her as Kathy's face quickly left his mind. "'Anything you want to tell me?' she said, wondering how he could fit into how she could fit into his life at this point. It was clear that they couldn't let on about their relationship outside the ranch, which made her a little melancholy, thinking about the pink lady and diamond. She decided not to think about it until she absolutely had to. If she had her way, then she would have a full-time job at this ranch doing anything but dancing on tables to lascivious onlookers. Let's get this barbecue rolling, Edgar said, looking at Amber, who appeared much calmer now. Miss Amber, will you do us the honor of making an apple pie for this event? I've heard you've gotten pretty darn good in the kitchen, he said, knowing that no one around could actually surpass Marguerite's skills. But Marguerite needed a break from cooking, he thought. She might actually stay and partake in the gathering with us, he'd hoped. Well, sure I can, Amber said, perking up. I have my grandmother's recipe, too, she said, smiling at Moxie. Moxie and I can work together, she said to a surprised Moxie, who decided that maybe Amber was actually warming up to her now. Both girls made their way to the main house to gather their ingredients for their recipes as the men divided up the remaining barbecue planning chores amongst themselves. Luke and Billy had arrived in the middle of the planning and each took a part in the preparation with Luke agreeing to gather mesquite and pecan wood for the fire while Billy helped to clean up around the fire pit. Diego went with Edgar to look at the meat choices in the big freezer and they decided on the buck that Edgar had shot the winter before. Edgar didn't just go hunting. Any time he was gathering food was done in ritual and ceremony. He never just took a life without first praying for the hunt and then honoring the soul of the animal who would come to its demise under the aim of his swift bow and arrow. This was how his ancestors had performed the hunt, and those were the ways that had been handed down to him by his elders. He always honored life in all its forms. This buck is what we need, he said. Its spirit was strong and powerful, just like what we'll need in order to keep going on this vision quest. He said to Diego, who wasn't so skilled in understanding the ways of Native American elders. Why do we care about that, Diego asked with interest in the ways of the older man. One day I will take you to a real hunt, and you will see the whole process from beginning to end. 
Until then, just know that we honor all life, and in honoring the life, we are honoring ourselves as well. We honor what we take from Mother Earth, and we honor what we put in our bodies as nourishment. It's not just about eating food. When we take in food, we take in energy. And in this case, we need to renew our energy and be like the warriors we were meant to be. We need to be strong and powerful to overcome those things. And we need to be reverent and calm when we work with the Divine Mother. We need to be in balance. And this is what the spirit of this buck represents, he said, bowing his head in thanks for the offering that the buck was to provide them. That is why we must ingest his energy. Diego was dumbfounded. He had never thought of food like this, and he'd just been content to eat without any forethought as to where his food came from or how it got there. Hearing Edgar speak like this made his heart leap with interest, and he realized he really wanted to learn more about the old ways. Let's get him out of here so we can start thawing out in the sun, Edgar said, thinking it may take a while if the clouds that had gathered didn't clear up soon. They lifted the hefty package of deer meat and moved it outside into the light, closing the freezer door with a thud. Edgar and Diego struggled under the weight of the package and set it down in the pasture under the now bright sunlight. Both men were exhausted from their experience in the woods, but had found a new burst of energy upon seeing the vision of the Divine Mother. What would happen to them next, Diego thought to himself, as he saw a man almost twenty years his senior chopping firewood for the night's feast. I'd better help him, he thought, grabbing another axe and setting up some wood for chopping. You think you can best me, boy, Edgar said, laughing lightly as beads of sweat warmed on his forehead. It's getting warm out here. You better get inside before you melt, he jabbed at Diego with his words. Everyone knows how you city boys are, he said, chuckling to himself. Well, Diego had had enough. Even though he knew it was all in good fun, he wasn't going to let up on a challenge. He grabbed his axe by its handle and swung it over his head, letting it fall square on the big chunks of mesquite that Luke had dragged in from the edge of the wood. There was no way Luke was going any further into the woods than that. Soon Diego's brow was dripping with sweat, and he quickly stripped off his shirt, which was not lost on the women watching from the sidelines. Edgar was not to be bested yet, because at almost 50 years old, he still had the body and stamina of a 25-year-old. When all was said and done, 20 pieces of wood lay cut and stacked, and both men lay spent on the ground beside them. I can keep going if you can, Edgar said out of breath. Me too, Diego said in between gulping for air. Both men couldn't have kept on, even if they wanted to, for out of the woods sounded a loud, loud bang like thunder at the beginning of a storm. Everyone jumped, and the horses inside their stalls pushed at the stall doors, eager to escape from whatever had caused the din. Edgar and Pamela rushed towards the barn, while Diego ran towards the woods. "'Is someone in there?' Diego yelled, hearing nothing but the reverberation of his voice coming back at him. "'Hello!' he yelled. Again, to no avail, as the only thing that the sound yielded was the scorn of numerous woodland creatures who were tired of all the noise. It was as if the ranch had fallen out of time. There was suddenly no sound, and everything became still, almost like things had frozen.' Diego breathed out lightly, and his breath came in a great mist around him. It was freezing cold out now, and just a few moments before he had been shirtless and sweating, he was transfixed on something that appeared out of the corner of his eye, just to the right of where he stood. Afraid to turn his eyes to whatever it was, he slowly began to turn around, his movement like that of a creature, frightened to move, lest it be taken by whatever predator had decided it needed a late-night snack. He turned ever so slowly and let the vision of what had caught his eyes overtake his senses. And then he saw it, and it was all he could do to not run away. She was there, suspended in the air and beckoning to him to come to her. She was amazing, and she looked like light, 
and love and warm kisses all wrapped into one. She wanted him nearer, and he wanted to oblige. He wanted every part of this vision, and he almost wept at the wanting of it, of her. She was the most amazing ghost he had ever seen, he thought to himself, feeling the fear leave his body. He wasn't sure if he could speak or what, and he still wondered where Moxie had gone, but that was put out of his mind by the most overwhelming feeling of pure love that descended upon him and settled into his heart. I am here for you, she said, looking at him with eyes of liquid gold. And I will never leave you, Diego. The apparition reached out a wispy hand to himself. What should I do, he thought to himself. He never wanted this feeling of love to leave him. And in that moment, he realized that all the feelings he'd had in his entire life that he thought were love could never transcend the feeling in his heart right now in this moment. He moved closer and held out his hand, wanting so badly for the wispy hand to touch him. His eyes transfixed, he moved ever closer, tears streaming down his face. I want to believe, he thought. I want this feeling forever. It felt so good, like the most thunderous orgasm he'd ever had, but 20 times better than that. And he wanted more. He reached his hand up to caress the wisps that floated before him, making up the figure of the woman. She smiled at him. It was a smile that he would remember for the rest of his life as he reached out the wispy hand and it touched his cheek. He could hear his name being called, but he couldn't move his mouth. His senses completely focused on her and wanting nothing more. Diego, it was Edgar's voice now. Diego, it was Edgar's, Edgar's voice getting closer. Where are you, man? She didn't want to let him go. She didn't want to release the spell of love she had used to capture his attention. She wanted to stay like this, wrapped into his energy in the way she was. Diego, Edgar, came upon the scene of Diego holding out his hand to a young woman floating in the air above him. But she wasn't a woman. She was a figure from the other realms, and she was in love with this man before her. Edgar had seen this before, and he wanted to let them both have this time together. It wasn't every day that you met your twin flame, albeit not in the flesh in this lifetime. They had decided not to incarnate together this time, and it was heartbreaking for her. She wanted to come into him and feel the same way he did. But she was just a spirit, although a very powerful one. She couldn't transcend the physical world enough to feel the way humans did. So she released him and disappeared. Chapter 18, Healing Hearts. Chapter 18, Healing Hearts. Moxie had no idea what to do next. Why did it always seem like she was the one that had to fix everything? She waited patiently for everyone to return, but soon she realized that she was alone. She paced back and forth, and then she had an idea. This is going nowhere, she thought to herself. We just sit here and we wait and try to keep our minds busy with barbecue and homemade apple pie. But I want to get over this hump. I want my life back on track. I want to get to know Diego better, and I want to get away from the pink lady. No curse or strange box or wicked creatures are going to stop me, she thought out loud now. I'm going to get out of here, she said, thinking that whatever it was might follow her and leave everyone else alone. This is crazy, she thought. This is supposed to be a vacation. Moxie picked up her bag and went inside to grab her phone from the kitchen counter. She plucked a freshly made bagel from the stack and dropped it into her bag as she pulled out the keys to the Mustang. Let's go, spirit, she thought to herself. Let's just see how badass you really are. 
Moxie bounded out the back door, almost knocking Amber over, who was on her way in. Amber, hey, I'm going to have to get a rain check on the baking contest, Moxie said to the younger girl. I'm going witch hunting, she said, looking back over her shoulder. Amber was a little lost and turned to see that Moxie was already halfway to the parking area. I wonder what she's up to, Amber said to no one but herself. Hey, I want to go too, she said out loud, reaching, reacting just a little too late as she heard the Mustang's engine roar and the car speed down the dirt road that led out of the ranch. Amber, none the wiser to Moxie's plan, other than a weird comment about witch hunting, sat down at the kitchen counter to ponder her apple pie recipe. In a few minutes, the back screen door opened and Pamela, Edgar, and a dazed-looking Diego entered the kitchen. Get him to something to drink, Edgar said to Amber, and make it something strong. Amber got up and looked straight at Diego, who seemed to see right through her as she stumbled as he stumbled past to sit on a kitchen chair. What's wrong with him? Amber said as she moved towards the liquor cabinet in the study. Diego, still in shock from the interaction he just had, didn't know what to make of it. Edgar, can you please explain what the heck just happened out there? He said, holding onto the kitchen chair to steady himself. That, my friend, was definitely a soulmate connection. And not any old soulmate, but your twin flame, he said, smiling to himself. I've only seen something like this once before, and it was mesmerizing, just like what you feel now, mesmerized and enchanted, but not in a bad way, in a very good way. He chuffed, hanging off his hat. Amber returned with a crystal drink glass filled halfway with Pamela's strong whiskey that she liked to buy from the Jade Cow Distillery up the street that Kyle Hawkins had owned the Kentucky Whiskey Distillery, had been after her for years. She didn't see anything in him except the dizzying heights that his amber bourbon could take her to after a big sip. Handing the glass to Diego, he placed it to his lips and downed the golden beverage in one long drink. He placed the glass down on the counter and closed his eyes as the heat of the whiskey burned down his throat and into his stomach. This is way too much, he thought to himself, and again out loud, this is just too much, you guys. Don't you think we've seen enough in the past couple of days? I mean, my nerves are shot, he said, looking at everyone through amber bourbon eyes, the whiskey starting to take effect now and calm him all over. He sank back into the chair, savoring the feeling of it. I know this seems far out, Edgar said, trying to calm him. And for someone off the streets with no experience in this kind of thing, you all must be wondering the same thing, like what the heck is going on? He said, standing before them, the only witness to the workings of the spirit world, I want you to know that this is nothing that's going to endanger anyone's life. At least not right now, he said, trailing off, as he realized that this was said to dissuade everyone from packing and running. Clearly, they were all in great danger, and in more ways than one. Has anyone seen Moxie? He suddenly thought about the girl who seemed to be the key to everything that had been happening since she showed up at the spooky ranch. Uh, yeah, she said she was going witch hunting. What do you mean witch hunting, Diego said, sounding more worried this time. The effects of the bourbon warming his spirits while the thought of Moxie in danger chilled his bones. I don't like the sound of this, he said, sitting upright now. Did she say anything? Diego asked, clearly concerned now. Nope. But I wouldn't be surprised if, after everything happened around her, she didn't come back with a cough full of surprises, Amber said matter-of-factly. What is that supposed to mean, Diego sounded confused. Well, any time I make a statement like that, Amber said, still pondering her apple pie recipe, then chances are I would be headed to the mall. This is making no sense at all, Diego said. I agree, Edgar said, trying to tap into whatever Moxie might have meant. I think we need to go out and try to find her. Yeah, let's get moving. What are we waiting for, Diego said, standing up, 
slowly and pulling his keys from his jeans pocket. I'll take those, Edgar said, plucking them from Diego's hand. Anyone that's tried Kyle Hawkins' whiskey knows it takes hours for the effects to wear off. You'll be too drunk to drive by Texas Department of Public Safety guidelines, Edgar said, pushing Diego from behind to the back door. You ladies wait here while we go out and look for Moxie. And please don't get into any more trouble. Just stay inside until we get back, Edgar said, turning his gaze to Pamela. I don't want anything happening to my girl, he said, winking out her side. We'll be good. Pamela promised. Anyway, I'm already beat after all the mayhem. I'm going upstairs to take a bubble bath, she said, winking back at Edgar and then turning towards the hallway. See y'all later. Meanwhile, several miles down an unmarked dirt road, Moxie and the Mustang sat idling in park. Where am I going, she thought to herself. What am I running away from and exactly where am I running to? She didn't have the answers to those questions, which made it, made it all the more frustrating. She had to stop running away when things got tough. She had to know that these things weren't there to harm her, but only make her stronger. She knew in her heart that she had to go back to Thunder Rose and face whatever it was that was trying to get her attention. She had to do this, she thought, knowingly, but not really understanding how she knew. She somehow felt that her next steps and actions were going to help heal so much of her family lineage. She felt in her bones that great magic was going to take place in and around her. The magic that would heal the hearts of her ancestors backwards and forwards in time. With this strange knowing inside of her, she slid the transmission into drive and turned the growling car back towards the ranch. It slipped and slid on the muddy track of the dirt road and then spun out loosely, not moving one inch. Well, great, I'm stuck. Now what? She said to herself. She pulled herself from her bag, only to see an unwelcome no service when she pulled up the phone. The plot thickens. Moxie girl, you better get your mojo up. You're going to have to walk back. Moxie pulled the keys from the ignition and unfolded from the little car that was big in spirit, just like her. She threw the useless cell phone in her bag and looked up at the sky to see where the sun was at. I have no idea where I'm going without my Garmin, she thought to herself. Maybe I can find my way back by the sun direction, she laughed, slightly thinking that was what the ancestors had to go through, charting the directions and seasons by the sky. She saw that the sun was moving away over past the trees, so that must be west, she thought. And I think I came from the east, moving back towards downtown Dallas, so I think I should walk back away from the sun, she pondered, hoping it was the right move since darkness was starting to come earlier in the evenings now, and by the looks of the sun, she had several hours to at least find her way back to the main road. She stayed to the middle of the old dirt road, thinking that if a car came along, they definitely couldn't miss seeing her, and then she could get a ride. But she recalled that the roads that led to the ranch seemed devoid of traffic when she drove in the last few times, and her mind started to play out all sorts of bizarre fantasies about what could happen to a young girl on a lonely dirt road in the dark. She walked briskly both to get moving and to keep warm. It was much chillier out here than she had planned for, and when she checked the back seat of the car, she realized she had forgotten the warm uh, jacket that Diego had lent her. Walking on the inside of the forest edge, but tracking Moxie step for step was the screech. Members of the team of demons and fallen spirits that had formed the witch's coven earlier that day now formed themselves into a helpful teenage boy who whistled happily as he swung an axe over his shoulder and stepped from behind the cover up the tall trees just in Moxie's line of sight. 
Oh, she thought excitedly when she saw him. He seems unassuming. Maybe he can give me a ride. Hi, can you help me? Moxie said in his direction. The screech chose a friendly, unassuming voice for a young man and showed gentle eyes and a kind smile as a front to the scowling grin that made up the form behind the face. Ma'am, are you lost? it said, knowing full well that she was the perfect prey out here in the middle of nowhere. My car had broke down up the street. You might have seen it, she said, pointing back about half a mile to the car sitting on the side of the road. I know, ma'am. I've been chopping wood for my grandma up in the big woods, and there's prime firewood up there, among other things. The spirit-turned-young man said, reminding itself to sound innocent and kind, even though behind the mask it wanted to reach out and end her life right here and now. In its mind's eye, it envisioned a claw-like grip wrapped around Moxie's throat as she succumbed to her final breath. And then the light will be gone, it thought, and we can rest again until the next one comes along. For Moxie was one in a long line of spirit keepers and light beings that kept being sent to these woods for the sake of bringing the darkness into the light. But darkness was not easily dissuaded, and one by one the screech had driven the light away, not completely snuffed it out, but dimmed it enough so it would stop trying to tame the evil beast. But this girl seemed different, not easily scared and not backing down. It made the screech nervous inside and weakened its fortitude, causing it to have its own doubts and insecurities about its true purpose in all of this that had been going on now for centuries and maybe even longer. Many had come before this and had their hearts broken, left to pick up their own pieces and move on. No one had thought that the true end would come when someone finally figured out the secret to taming what it thought could never be tamed. The small, wild, burden-collected heart of the screech needed something badly, but it always left this unfulfilled longing in the area of its metaphorical chest. What is this feeling? It would often ask itself, quickly dismissing it. I can show you the way out, ma'am, the voice said, continuing to move the axe from one shoulder to the next. Oh, awesome, which way should I go? Moxie said innocently. Right this way, through here, the screech said, pointing into the trees that led into Thunder Rose Woods. I know a shortcut. Chapter 19, Pine Trees and Shortcuts. Moxie innocently followed the young man into the wooded entrance of trees. She made a note of where she walked in case she needed to find her way back out for some reason. She figured this guy was around here and couldn't be wrong, although a slight doubt tickled at the back of her neck. I feel like we should be walking the other way, but I didn't really tell you where I was going, she said, watching him from behind as he led the way on a small trampled bit of trail. Thunder rose, the screech hissed, and then remembered its manners. What did you say, Moxie said, thinking she heard something about the ranch. You must be from the ranch up the way on the other side of these woods, the boy said, correcting its tone for appropriateness. Thunder rose. Uh, yeah, that's right, she said, with more confidence now, since she seemed to he seemed to know the direction of the ranch. You must have lived here for a while, she said, trying to make idle conversation. All my life, the boy said. The boy and the screech sounded at the same time with the voice sounded like the croak of a prepubescent boy. As they moved deeper into the darkness of the tall pines, the screech saw its opportunity. Safer and stronger in the darkness now, it moved into action, swinging the axe faster and stopping in front of Moxie. Why are we stopping, she said, not wanting to spend more time in the darkness and cold of the woods than possible right now. 
I have something to show you first, the boy said. It's very important that you see this. Oh boy, here we go, Moxie said under her breath. How many times had she heard idle one-liners like this before? She was so tired of all the men and women who had tried to hit up on her over the years. She had had just enough of it, and her senses kicked in, as well as her kickboxing and self-defense training mindset. Look, I just want to get out of these woods and back to my friends, Moxie said, ready for anything now, fists and jaws clenched. Can you please just point me in the right direction? I can go the rest of the way myself. Oh, it's right this way, ma'am. The screech was getting antsy now, and its true form flashed slightly through the persona of the young man. What the what did I just see? Moxie's mind was racing now. She had seen something flash in the face of the boy, and fear crept in slightly, even though she was still ready to kick some butt. What seemed like minutes was only seconds as the hand of the young man grabbed the axe handle and lurched forward to catch Moxie around the throat. We want to show you something and then you will never return after this. It seethed. Your light is not wanted here. Do you understand? And you will never come back here again. It's voice high pitched and wailing now. Moxie struggled to breathe as she looked straight into the eyes of a darkness so dark there was no shadow. I must face this thing, she thought to herself. I I can't fight it physically, she knew in her heart. She was being dragged now towards a large opening in the side of a huge rock. Rather than struggling, she cooperated and moved into the creature. Her thoughts suddenly went to her mother, her grandmother and grandfather, her past lovers and her pet horse, as she unknowingly summoned up the love of so many that she had cherished over her lifetime. The screech stopped at the entrance to the rock opening and released its hold on her. And that's when she did it. All the love in her heart moved into the palms of her hands, and in a quick motion she reached up and placed her palms on the heart portal of the thing and felt all the love inside her pour out of her palms. Her hands literally pulsing with the energy of her love, she stayed there while the thing on the receiving end stared back at her with lifeless eyes, and then she slowly felt it. What was at first empty and cold under her palms began to warm to her touch. Edgar and Diego decided it was pointless to try to figure out what Moxie meant by her witch-hunting statement to Amber. They just needed to find her. They both knew it in the pit of their stomachs. Edgar jumped up from the kitchen counter and pulled on his coat and signature Stetson with the eagle feather pointing up from the brim, a hat he'd had since his early years and one that had seen him through many adventures and heartaches. He wore that hat proudly, he thought, as he felt the bison hide along the brim. Grab your coat, he said to Diego. I have an idea now. Where is that box? I think we're going to need it. Diego hadn't seen the box since the last time it had surfaced. I I thought you had it, he said to Edgar. Oh, heck, we may have to do this another way, Edgar said, moving out the back door and onto the porch. That's when it caught its eye, caught his eye. The old wooden box with the brass cross on top sat unabashedly atop the porch step railing. Just like it was waiting for us, Edgar thought, more amused than frightened by what was occurring here. Well, looky there, he said, pointing to the box resting there. What the? Well, I guess I shouldn't be surprised by now, Diego said, still mellow from the whiskey. What do we do with that? I think it's going to lead us to her, Edgar said, picking up the box and moving swiftly to the stables. I think we're going to need horses. Let's saddle up. How do you know that, Diego said, following behind the older man. Oh, never mind. Forget I asked that, he said pulling out several saddles from where they were stored but not in use. You take the big mare and and I'll take this paint, Diego said, almost forgetting the names of the two horses he usually rode. Such was his fervor and drive to want to find Moxie. Saddled up and sitting outside the stables, Edgar brought the box out of his pocket and slowly turned it over in his hands. Well, we'll need to find our girl, he said to the box as he slowly pulled back the lid 
exposing the inner sanctuary of whatever dwelled inside its wooden bounds. And then they sat and waited. No sudden bright light exposed itself. No wave of energy exuded from within. All was silent as they sat and looked inside of it. But the horses, much more sensitive to energy than humans, began to move. And then from a slow gait into a lumbering trot, they made their way out towards the big pasture and towards the great woods. What? Whoa, girl! Diego pulled up on the reins. Where do you think you're going? Whoa! Let them go, Edgar said, dropping his reins and allowing his horse to lead them in and through the break into the forest. Something we can't understand is directing them, he told Diego. Diego let his reins slide down the young paint pony Summer's back as she followed behind the larger mare, Rainbow. Summer and Rainbow were on a mission, and nothing was stopping them from their intended journey, which was being directed by a divine force that couldn't be seen or heard by the naked eyes and ears. The horses seemed to instinctively know where each trailhead and shortcut path had been laid out and barely made a sound as they stepped on the trail that led them further into Thunder Rose Woods. She couldn't have gone far, but we're going through the woods, and Moxie left in her car. Shouldn't, shouldn't we be looking on the roads rather than riding through the forest? Diego was confused. Maybe we shouldn't put all our faith in, in some old box, he said, not realizing the strength and powerful forces that were using an old box to commune with others. Just let them lead us. The box knows the way, was all Edgar said, as he didn't feel it was the right time to start explaining the ways of spirit to those that clearly didn't understand how the energy beings and divine creator energies worked behind the scenes. Back at the cave entrance, something interesting was transpiring. Moxie, still with her palms on the screech's chest area, was getting an electric jolt of energy through the top of her head. The screech, on the other hand, was standing before her transfixed with love. The young boy persona had dropped away, and in its place stood a creature with tears in its eyes. The area of its heart portal was glowing with emerald green and pink light, and it felt a warmth in its being it had never felt before. All thought of harming the young girl had turned to compassion and empathy, two feelings it had zero experience with. It couldn't understand why it didn't want to destroy, and this confused and transmuted it into something that couldn't be explained in its feeble brain. Moxie had dropped to her knees as a beam of pure white and gold light dropped from the sky down and in through the crown of her head. She moved back and forth like a blade of grass waving in the breeze, and an ecstasy of pure love poured through her entire being. She couldn't have cared if she died and went to heaven right now. She thought such was the feeling of pure bliss in her soul. The screech saw the young girl on her knees and slowly reached out its feeble hand in surrender and supplication. Moxie looked up at it with tears and love in her eyes. She saw deep into its eyes and saw a spirit longing to be free of the shackles of hate, torment, and darkness that had consumed it for so long. She looked lovingly at it and then reached out her hand to grasp that of the thing. It helped her to her feet and said two soft words before turning its back to walk away. Thank you. At those words, the woods shifted, the dankness and darkness that had enveloped the inner woods lifted, and dappled sunlight softly sifted through the pines. They whistled and sang as they too swayed in the soft breezes of the coming nor'easter cold front. Moxie, still warm from the infusion of divine love, stood there, bewildered but content in the knowledge that the evil that had plagued the ancestors and descendants of this land had been transmuted. 
As she looked around her, she heard breaking of branches and twigs with what sounded like horses moving through the woods. Hello, over here, I'm lost! She raised her voice over the now more fervent wind that was whipping through the pines stronger now. Help, she said, knowing in her heart that the worst was over. Through the wooded enclave, two horses and riders appeared in the distance. Chapter 20 Mistaken Identities Moxie, is that you? Diego yelled over the din of the wind through the trees. Diego! Moxie raised her voice to reach them as she ran towards the most welcome sight she had seen all day. Diego dismounted from Summer and ran towards her, lifting her up in a swirling hug. Oh, Moxie, what's going on? Why did you leave? He set her down and looked deeply into her eyes. It's all okay now, she said, knowing she would have a lot of explaining to do to try to tell the others what had happened in these woods. She was almost beginning to think she had dreamt the whole thing waking up in the middle of the dream to find she had sleepily walked out of her room and into the woods. But this was no sleepwalking dream. The screech had been very real, and so had been the divine love that had poured through her and into its hardened heart. Edgar dismounted and walked over to her. He looked deeply into her eyes, and his spiritual eyes saw the halo of light around her head, and he knew all he needed to know. It's over, isn't it? he said to her softly. Yes, it's over, she said, folding deeper into Diego's arms. Well, then what the heck are we standing around here for, Edgar said, sending a whoop and holler up into the trees. My girl's waiting, and you have a pie to bake. Hop on and let's get the heck out of here. There's one woman who's going to be mighty excited to hear that her woods are healed, Edgar said, helping Moxie up into Rainbow's saddle as he chose to walk alongside the tall mare. What now, Moxie said out loud, even though this was a question she was also asking herself. One day at a time, was all Edgar could say, as he led the group out of the woods and back towards Thunder Rose. One day at a time, you'll figure it out. We all will. And slowly, the stripper turned hero, the medicine man, the soft-spoken branch hand, and the two horses made their way out of the woods and back into the pasture of the ranch. Here they come, Amber said putting down her binoculars to rush down the back stairs of the porch. Mom, they're coming, she yelled again, bounding down the path that led from the house to the stables and out to the pasture. Pamela sat up from her soft bed with tears in her eyes as joy filled her heart. Her man was coming home, and she was never letting him leave her side again. She just knew she could get him to stay this time. She pushed her platinum blonde hair away from her face and walked slowly down the stairs towards the back door. She didn't know how yet, but all felt right in her world, and she wanted to keep it that way. As the ragtag group reached the stables, Amber ran up to them, excited to hear what had happened. Luke walked up behind them and set down his rifle. He had been preparing himself for anything, and in his mind that meant grabbing his weapon. But no weapon would be needed on this night. Love and light. Love and light had been the instruments that had transformed the entire thing, and they would always win. Who's ready for some pie, Edgar said as Pamela ran into his arms. The wind whistled through the trees, and the group hustled inside for hot chocolate and a really great ghost story told by a young stripper girl who had saved the day. All is well in the world, Edgar said, kissing Pamela passionately as they sat around the large stone fireplace in the great room of the big ranch house. Well, Moxie girl, what about you? What are you going to do with your newfound knowledge? Moxie had already decided as soon as the love of God had poured into her heart, there in the woods with the screech, standing over her, looking down at her in complete adoration. Oh, me? Well, I'm going to save the world. 
was all she said with a demure smile. The end. I want to thank all of you so much for going on this audiobook story journey with me. And until next time, until we meet again, love, light, blessings to all of you. Take care.